You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection streaming video service, the Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. Friend of the show, Michael Hutchins, joins me today to discuss April's new releases and expiring titles. Stay with us as we start surfing the Criterion Channel. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Drinking While Talking, hosted by Jill Blake and Wade Sheeler. Classic film, classic music, classic culture, shaken and stewed. Every episode of Drinking While Talking, Jill Blake and Wade Sheeler discuss movies and music new and old with forays into pop culture from the past, as well as wherever the spirit takes them as they get progressively more spirited. Whether they're delving into classic film, desert island picks, quizzes, games, or misguided monologues, the question will always remain, how far can they get until everything falls apart? As the editors of TheRetroSet.com, the premier clearinghouse for all things classic, you can catch their deep dives into movies, music, and lifestyle. Sober. Their hope on drinking while talking is to take the pretension out of discussing the classics as they make their way from the early 20th century through modern day by way of film, culture, politics, through the prism of their unique and personal lens. And booze. Find out more at theretroset.com. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is Michael Hutchins, friend of the show and regular contributor to the Criterion Channel Club and most of the other Facebook groups in the Criterion community. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show today for this kind of slightly abridged episode of the Criterion Channel Surfing Podcast. Uh, Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Before we dive in, you know, you're you're one of our our longtime regular guests, but I would love to just check in and see how things are going for you and uh, what's been going on with you uh, in the Patreon pre-show banter. Uh, you mentioned that you are have finally caught back up on all of the on watching all of the titles, uh, so you're now right. viewing complete again. Well. At the end of March, I was, of course. Now we're, oh, fem- we're yes. recording this now on April the 5th, and we had 110 more films added this month. So, yeah, and I I had seen uh, about 30% of them, so that's about mm. 70 films I need to watch. But uh, it's, a, it's a lot less than I had been building up throughout the previous months. So I think mm-hmm. I'll be able to get most of them. Uh, there's quite a few uh, shorts, which we'll talk about later when you yeah. when you talk about the, the new films. But yeah, uh, so let's say for about ten minutes there at the around midnight on March thirtieth, I was able to uh, say I was complete. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Ten yeah. minutes, ten minutes of of bliss, right? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I'm I'm doing these kind of abridged versions as I'm continuing to to have my own kind of health recovery, and uh, when I reached out to you, I had forgotten that this was also the the anniversary of the channel and it happened to be really fortuitous because you also prepared some stats uh because i can't have you on the show and, and not have you prepare some stats right? <laughs> right yeah so uh you prepared some stats for the second year of the criterion channel and uh you started to kind of just dig into 
what it looks like, uh, how many films are on the channel, uh, what has uh, been added to the permanent library, uh, all of that. Uh, so why don't we just dig into that very briefly before we start to talk about the new and expiring titles for the month of April. Sure, let's do that. Uh, so how many films were featured on the channel in 2020 or the, 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 the second year of the channel from April of 2020 to April of 2021? Uh, it was, it was an extraordinary growth. When you think about the number of total number of films, uh, we started out uh, in April, 2019 with uh, only 1500 films in the library that grew to uh, 2000 by the end of the first year. And now we're up to almost 2,500 films. Mm. So that's uh, a growth of about 58 percent over the wow. over the over the past two years. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty incredible. And mm-hmm. just when I look at the the breakdown there, so it looked like at the beginning the limit engagements were pretty limited. Yeah, that first month it was giving us an idea. In fact, uh, I'm not sure if that would have been. We did not get an idea about what was to come by that first month, yeah. Because there were only fifty-seven limited engagements that month, and now we're we're getting about a hundred each month, mm-hmm. and so they usually last about six months, which means that you know, on, in any average month now, we have between five and six hundred limited engagement films. Wow, you've broken it down uh, to the permanent streaming library limited engagements and the criterion channel library. Could you talk through what those three different categories are? The permanent streaming library are the films that are licensed from Janus, their sister company. They're pretty much considered permanent. Uh, They've never really come out and said that, but uh, they have been around for two years. And uh, out of those 1500 or so films that started, there may be less than a dozen of them have left and uh, as I've determined later, those films were actually sub-licensed from, from other owners of the film. So they weren't really Janus films per se, even though Janus had the distribution rights. They didn't have the full streaming rights. But those films have, have come and gone on this, the channel. For instance, uh, Buena Vista uh, Social Club just came back. And that was a film that I always assumed was permanent because it opens with both the Janus logo and Criterion Collection logo. Mm-hmm. But th- but that's such a rarity that uh, that I can I can say with with almost ninety nine point ninety nine percent certainty that a film is either permanent or not. Okay. And so uh, there's been substantial growth in that, and that's really it's surprising when you think about just in two years how much it's it's grown. Uh, yeah. I see a seventeen percent increase, which means we went from fourteen hundred permanent films to uh, about sixteen hundred fifty. And then we got the limited engagements. Yeah, limited engagements are those films that are licensed from other owners, and these are just for streaming. And it's you know we've got big, big studios leasing them, uh, licensing them, and then you got smaller concerns, boutique labels, other distributors, uh, other owners, and sometimes. And I've I've discovered over the past year, they're actually getting the license from the film, the filmmakers themselves. Mm-hmm. You know that so they're not they're not going through a middleman. So you, you've got some of the smaller filmmakers like Kalika La and Jennifer mm-hmm. Reeder and Terrence Nance, and they're actually licensed licensing those films to the channel. Oh wow, wow! And then finally, the Criterion Channel Library are those films that are films that are in the the physical library but are not 
distributed by Janus? No, uh, they aren't distributed by Janus, but they aren't physical either. And uh, mm. they're, of those 125 films, the vast majority of them are uh, short films. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's what I call the the, the, the Criterion Channel Library, mm. uh, and that's just a designation designation I give because they open with a Criterion Channel logo, okay, which is very unusual. Uh, uh, that that a streaming service would actually put their logo at the front of a film, mm-hmm. and and so that's why I call it the Criterion Channel Library, and not the uh, Criterion Collection Streaming Library, which yeah. is entirely different fish, you know. Yeah. But that what I found just discovered recently with that particular portion, um, and it's a and it's a pretty minor proportion of the entire library, but it's not grown any uh, over the last four months. They're mm-hmm. not they're not adding those films. And what I'm thinking, either they decided to stop putting those uh, that logo in front of these films, because they are they're still getting four or five short films every month that are, that have continued to stay beyond what I thought a normal gate engagement would be. And what they're, what's happening with them is uh, ordinarily they would have been put in that library, but I don't, I can't put them there because they don't have the criterion channel opening logo. I know this okay. may be esoteric to some of your listeners. Yeah, but it's just a way, <laughs> it's a way for me personally to, to kind of categorize each of the films and, and, yeah. and the likelihood of them staying there or, 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 you know, leaving, you know, at any time. That's really fascinating. Something that I have found interesting in the last maybe year was how many limited engagement titles have made their way onto Criterion Disc. I think about a couple of the Dorothy Arzner, now the, uh, the Marlon Riggs films. Um, it's, you know, I, I think at one point as a, as someone who kind of has, has really immersed myself in the channel, I used to kind of try to try to set more realistic expectations for people who would assume that that was going to happen. Right. Uh, I would, I would kind of let people, uh, kind of let people say, you know, let them know that, you know, just because something is a, is appearing as a limited engagement doesn't mean we're going to get a physical release of it, but it does seem that, as these partnerships, as these um, these partnerships with the studios that are providing limited engagements uh, blossom, as they continue to work with the studios or the artists or the estates of the filmmakers, they're really actively pursuing some of these titles. There, yes, there have been a few of them. Uh, other than the Arzner, I what comes to my mind is Elephant Man. Yeah. Uh, that played very limited engagement. I think it was only on one month, and that was just the month of April. It was almost like it was a lost leader where they, they tried uh, the April 2019, yeah. the first month of the service, yeah. where they, they wanted that to be part of their, you know, the draw to, for their subscribers. But that was only on for one month. And then, you know, within a year, it was actually in the physical collection. Yeah. When we look at the the programming, the different bundles, the different packages that Criterion has uh, been putting out in the last year, what are some of the things that you have uh, noticed over the last year? I've noticed that uh, actor bundles are not as popular as they were the first year. The second mm. year, it, it, it fell. Uh, and also the difference between female actors and male actors kind of switch switch places they're both without mm. within 50 percent you know very close to each other but uh 
that was was not surprising in that now they're they're really they've always really emphasized directors, but that has gone up a tremendous amount. Uh, the first year there was only sixty three director bundles, and the second year there's been eighty four. Mm. You know, yeah. And but but within the, within those directors bundles, if I could break it down, I don't have it on my spreadsheet. I mean, right now I don't have it on this report I gave you, but uh, the number of directors, you know. Black and queer and Asian filmmakers or directors is just grown extraordinarily within mm. within the this second year from April of 2020 until today. Yeah, yeah. It it seems that they're really attempting to lean into inclusion in these yes. director bundles, yes. which is really exciting to see. Oh yes, because they're yeah. uh, they're bringing up directors that I have no idea uh, had not heard about, you know, yeah. and I, I'm just surprised with every one of them. That's neat. Yeah, I also see that the uh, the streaming premieres have jumped up quite a bit as well. Oh yes, uh, because uh, that was something that they actually didn't start until well into their first year. So now I think they're they're going back onto it. The the pace is more of what they generally thought it was going to be, like one mm. a month. In fact, uh, some months you have two each month. Yeah. So, so that's something we can expect to continue to uh, to be like, say, between twelve and fifteen a year. In, in this case, there was seventeen in the second year. So. Yeah. And it looks like the changeover. What What were some of the things you noticed in the the addition and subtraction of films each month? Oh yeah, uh, that was a surprise too. Because I remember at the time we talked about the first year. Uh, and with, I thought they'd kind of settled down because uh, the number of films that were being added and taken each month started to balance. Mm-hmm. And then the second year happened, and it's, <laughs> it's really jumped up. Uh, for instance, the average number of films the first year that was uh, added each month was 78 films. Now it's over 100 films, you know, 103 to be exact. So each month we're getting more than 100 films, you know. Yeah. And w- when we're losing about 66 yeah. And if that trend continues, which means that that means that the library itself is, you know, has to grow, you know. Yeah. 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 It seems that films are staying on for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem that the, the expiring titles, the number of titles that expire each month keeps kind of dropping. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's getting to the point now where uh, I'm becoming less certain about certain films being limited engagements, especially yeah. those films where, where are from black filmmakers or from women filmmakers. They tend yeah. to defy the rules or the patterns that I had discovered the first year. Now they're, they're staying on a lot longer. Yeah. Are there any other kind of trends or any other things that you've noticed over this next, over this last year that uh, you thought were really fascinating? Yeah. Uh, the number of films that are returning. I know we talk mm. about this quite often yeah. in the groups. Uh, there's, there's a school of thought that, you know, don't worry, the films are going to come back. And then those yeah. who say, you know, yeah, catch them now. Cause you never know. I'm in that second school, even yeah. though I, I, I have the, the stats in front of me and can you know show you don't you don't don't bet against these stats, but these stats have grown and uh, the number of films returning has grown. Mm. So that first year, only four percent of the films came back, and now it's almost eight percent of the oh, wow. total number of limited engagement films have returned. And so what that means is that uh, the pool that they draw the films from. It, it may be unlimited, but there are certain films that they know that they can always get back to to create yeah. new bundles. Yeah. And so you're going to increase the chances of those certain films returning, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's a really, that's really a good, a good thing to keep in mind that it is possible for these films to come back around. Don't count on it, but it is possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thanks for digging up these stats, Michael. I'm sure you'll make them available to people at some point as well. Yeah. I'll put them on the Facebook page for the Criterion Channel Club. Yeah, that's great. I mean, there's just there's so much great research you've done here into uh, all of the just the nitty gritty numbers of the channel, uh, and I think that people who are interested in this will will find a lot of interesting stuff here. So thanks for for digging in here. Right. Well, let's dive into the channel's new and expiring titles for the month of April. Before I go down the line and get into the actual titles, is there anything that stands out to you or anything that you notice about the the content that we're getting this month? Well, the first thing I discovered was that about half of what I told you last month about how the channel announces titles <laughs> has changed. Yes. It's almost like someone at the channel uh, listened to that podcast and say, oh, now he's got us all figured out. Now we've got we've to change everything up. So you know how I, I spoke of how every day there's a new film spotlighted or a new bundle? Yes. No more. <laughs> well, at least it, unless they're trying to experiment something for the month of April. So that was when we saw that uh, announcement at, uh, at the end of March. Uh, many of us were uh, surprised to discover that uh, on the first of the month, there was going to spotlight five huge bundles all in mm-hmm. the same day, you know, and that was something that they normally would have done throughout the month. And mm-hmm. then uh, the way they're listed now is by category instead of by date. You yeah. Know? But, I will say that made it a lot easier when I set up my uh, show notes. <laughs> yeah, I do. Cause I, I, I know that whenever you was doing your other previous episodes where you were reading off the new films, you would have to rearrange it because, of course, their listing was always chronological and you, and you yeah. had to put it back into categories. And now they did the job for you, Josh. It was it was it was beautiful. It, it yeah. took like half as much time. Yeah, well, they they knew you weren't feeling well, so they say let's 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 help Josh out here a little bit. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> the folks at Criterion who who helped me out there. Yeah. Well, uh, let's dive into the titles. So we are getting the Maestro scores by Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. with Fists in the Pocket, The Battle of Algiers, The Big Gun Down, Death Rides a Horse, Teorema. The Mercenary, A Quiet Place in the Country, Machine Gun McCain, Burn, and a whole lot of other titles. Oh, yeah. We're getting Close to Home, How to Make a Movie Without Leaving the House, which includes the features Bad Girls Go to Hell, Portrait of Jason, Faces, Multiple Maniacs, Pink Narcissus, Italian America, uh, a lot of other features, and then a bunch of shorts including Meshes in the Afternoon, Sao Ma Vie, La Chambre, A Loft, and Nothing Happened, and Words, Planets. We're getting Shadow Play, the animated films of Lottie Renninger, which includes the feature The Adventures of Prince Ahmed, and a lot of her shorts, including The Secret of Marquise, The Flying Coffer, Dr. Doolittle, A Trip to Africa, Dr. Doolittle, The Lion's Den, Harlequin, The Stolen Heart, and again, a lot of other titles there. We're getting the best of the Marx Brothers, which includes Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, Duck Soup, A Night at the Opera, A Day at the Races, Room Service, At the Circus, Go West, and The Big Store. We're getting a bundle entitled The Gamblers with Gilda, Any Number Can Play, Dark City, The Las Vegas Story, 
Bob Leflambeur, The Hustler, Bay of Angels, Pale Flower, Five Card Stud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, California Split, and again, a big chunk of other films that are being added there as well. We're getting exclusive streaming premieres of A Girl Missing and Raining in the Mountain. They have created a category called True Stories for uh, their set of documentaries, which will include Mare, Did You Wonder Who Fired the Gun, The World of Gilbert and George, and Oraya. For women filmmakers, they are highlighting Smooth Talk, a bundle directed by Isabel Sandoval with Senorita and Apparition, and Yellow Fever. For Saturday matinees, they have Little Women, Chef Flynn, Winged Migration, and Androcles and the Lion. They have Criterion Collection editions with Moonrise, Buena Vista Social Club, To Sleep With Anger, Man Pushcart, Chop Shop, and The Leopard. We're getting shorts plus features of Hairwolf and Putney Swope, Tabula Rasa and La Adelante, Rupture and New Homeland, and Ramona and Dementia. We're getting double features of The Man Who Cheated Himself and Tomorrow is Another Day, Shaft and Shaft's Big Score, Picnic and To Sleep With Anger, Blood Simple and A Woman, A Gun, and A Noodle Shop, Days of Wine and Roses, and Experiment in Terror. And in the uh, 30 Years of the Film Foundation, we're getting Sons of the Desert, How Green Was My Valley, Force of Evil, Caught, and The Leopard. Then we've got a new addition to the Black Westerns bundle with El Condor, and some additional titles that were added that uh, weren't in their initial uh, page. We're getting The Third Man, Contempt, and Grand Illusion. So again, this is just... Every month, there's uh, there's more than any one person can take in, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, true. Yeah. I I I think it was that that uh, maybe it was that first Christmas that I that I just decided the the MGM musical bundle. I just knew that I couldn't catch all of the ones that were expiring, mm-hmm. and realized that it was it was just never going to happen. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I have come to peace with the fact that I won't catch everything on the channel, mm-hmm. but it's just good to to try to help people figure out how to, what to prioritize. So, uh, Michael, what do you recommend people catch on the channel? Okay, uh, let's start with uh, the John Ford film, How Green Was My Valley. Came out in 1941, so it's made what came out right before uh, U.S. involvement in in World War II. Mm. Produced by Daryl Zanuck at Fox. So it's it's one of those Ford at, Ford at Fox films. And uh, it's the film that, that is, I think, unjustly derided by a lot of film connoisseurs because it was the one that beat out Citizen Kane mm. for, for the Oscar for 1941. Now, I, I understand cert- to a certain extent why someone might feel that way. But damn, just watch the film. It's a it's a wonderful film. It's great, and I, I'm not going to take anything away from it. Especially not take anything away from Citizen Kane, you know. But the you know the Academy has always seemed to recognize uh, not the innovative films, but the more I guess family accessible, maybe maybe even um, just couldn't accept Kane for what it was, you know, as as such a, a different kind of film. Yeah. 
But uh, it's it's a great film. You know, it, I only found out recently that it was filmed entirely in California. They didn't go mm. to Wales. You know, John Ford wanted to. He wanted to go to Wales to make this film about about this uh, Welsh mining town and this family that lived there. But he wasn't able to. So they 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 built this town in the mountains outside of Malibu, California. And it's unbelievable. And that's why I'm shocked, you know, 30 years after seeing the film to realize that, that it was not filmed on location. But it, it stars his normal, uh, well, John Ford's normal troupe of actors. Uh, Donald Crisp is amazing as the father family. And then it's Roddy McDowell's uh, first leading role. He was only 12 years old, but he was he was amazing and and probably one of the best juvenile performances, you know, ever put on film. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people think it's like too sentimental, maybe a little bit, but it's not maudlin. You know, there's just something that that touches your heart about it. And so I I, I highly recommend that film for for those who haven't seen it. Mm. That's great. That sounds. Have you have you seen it, Josh? I have not seen this one yet. This is one of the John Ford ones I haven't seen, but I've I've had it recommended quite a bit to me. So mm-hmm. it's one that uh, I'll definitely have to catch while it's on the channel. Yeah. Uh, what else do you want to recommend to people? I want to recommend a film that's being highlighted this month, even though it's part of the permanent library. And that is uh, Marco Bellocchio's Fist in the Pocket. Mm -hmm. It was recently um, upgraded on Criterion Disc to a a Blu-ray upgrade. Uh, It's a film from Italy, 1965. It was his feature-length debut. He was very young at the time. I think he was only 26. But to make such an assured, you know, mature Mm film... It, it's pretty shocking. You know, it's about a dysfunctional family. And uh, at times it's funny and sometimes it's dark. You know, it's just it's just kind of a twisted view of, of family, you know, in, in Italy. Uh, unlike a lot of films in Italy at that time that seemed to have more like a, they went for more of the comedy side, you know, marriages and relationships and stuff like that. If you've seen uh, documentaries about what was happening in Italy, uh, you you think it's Fellini and De Sica and uh, and Visconti, but it wasn't. You know they they were going more for the uh, family oriented films. Yeah. So yeah. so I uh, so I I recommend this. Uh, it's going to be on the channel, so it's not going anywhere. But uh, I'm glad to see sometimes they do occasionally spotlight these permanent library films. That's great. Yeah, I have the the upgraded disc uh, sitting on my shelf, so uh, I might have to prioritize that disc. Yeah, I still have the DVD. I never, I chose not to upgrade. It was pretty. It's a pretty good print. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I think it, it was still a high definition print, even that they used for the DVD. And I yeah. think they add, they added one supplement to the upgrade, but it just wasn't enough to push me to 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 <laughs> buy to buy the the Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. And you have one more that you want to recommend people catch? Oh yeah, Grand Illusion. Criterion mm. Collection number one is back, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know. It doesn't need an, any recommendation. You know, anybody who knows film or, or should, you know, should know this film. It's uh, Jean Renoir's masterpiece from France, 1937. It's one of the great anti-war films. It's one of the great prison escape films. You know, yeah. it's one of the best films. It shows about how class really has no borders and no no nationality. You know. Great performances by everyone involved. So yeah, it, it's I. I hope that eventually that does come back to the collection. You know, that was one of those Studio Canal films that yeah. that we lost the physical release uh, rights to. But you know, it's looking up. It never was. It never was released by anyone else. Now that we see that Studio Canal has kind of broke away from their deal with Lionsgate, possibly mm-hmm. we can see this back in the collection. 
Yeah, it's a, a again for anyone that has not seen Grand Illusion, it's it's this is one of those ones that is uh, an essential film to to watch. Yeah, I really would highly recommend the documentary Mare. I saw that towards the end of last year, and it is a really uh, stirring and compelling portrait of uh, the mayor of Ramallah, uh, who is just trying to trying to keep his city running in the face of Israeli occupation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a really powerful, powerful film that I think is is well well worth anyone's time. I think it is. It does more f- to show the human impact mm-hmm. of the Israeli occupation of Palestine than I think any Talking Heads documentary ever could. It really, uh, it's it's just heartbreaking and uh, a stunning work of uh, uh, cinema verite that I think uh, is is just essential viewing. Yeah, it's it's really really incredible. There have been a couple of really really great verite documentaries that were released this year. Uh, I think this and seventy six days, the the documentary about the um, the the lockdown in Wuhan, China, that where the footage was smuggled out of the hospitals mm-hmm. and into the U.S. for editing. I think Frederick Wiseman City Hall. There were a couple of these fil- these films that really pushed how to tell kind of fly in the wall verite documentaries, and and showed the power of that uh, without the annoying computer generated graphics and talking heads. Um, lecturing us the whole time right. and show just how powerful it is to to just situate a camera in a space and let us see what's going on. And Mare is one of those ones that I think is really incredible. Um, yeah. We've been getting a lot of good films from uh, in the recent years, good documentaries about the uh, the Middle East conflict yeah. and uh, this. I've not seen it yet, but it, it, it is on my list to see. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Mayor. Yeah, I really like that one. And kind of going off the verite a little bit, I really love the two films from Ramin Barani that are uh, were released on disc by uh, by Criterion and are making their channel debut this month, uh, Man Push Cart and Chop Shop. They're both kind of neorealist in the vein of the neorealist masters, uh, Man Push Cart and Chop Shop. Uh, they are really profound works of empathy using non-traditional actors. And uh, I just think they are just masterful films that plunk you down into communities that are underrepresented on screen and really allow us to to understand what life is like for these communities. And uh, I can't, I can't recommend uh, those two films highly enough. I think they're really, really incredible works. And if you don't have the discs, this is a really great chance to get to experience these films. Yeah. I, I chose not to purchase the disc because I knew they were Janice films and would more than likely show up soon on the channel. And here they are and they will yeah. be as far as I you know, can tell they will be part of the permanent streaming library. So I do plan to see those. I, I have heard a lot of great things about them. Yeah, that's great. What are you excited to catch uh, this this month? Two films in the uh, Ennio Morricone bunch. I, I've always been a fan of his scores uh, from mm-hmm. way back. But uh, there's two films that I'd heard about. I knew the scores to, especially uh, and these two, Duck, You Sucker, and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. 
and I'm going to be watching that second film not because it's like one of the one of the most popular giallo films, hmm. but also uh, because of the score. I, I, you know, I I know the score, so yeah, it's it's Morricone is one of those artists where you know sometimes I don't necessarily need to see the film in order to appreciate his music. So yeah. I have tons of his films on 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 disc and can. I mean, tons of his scores on disc, and so I can actually uh, listen to them and not even know what the films are about, you know. But I'm I'm glad that uh, I get the opportunity to see those two, along mm. with well, along with a lot of other you know films of different genres from Italy. Uh, mm-hmm. He seemed to you know he seemed to be pretty uh, diverse in his choice of films that he composed for, you know, and not just Italian films. He actually made several American films. I think even. I think one of his last films was uh, that Hateful Eight. Was that the one? Yep. Yeah, I think yeah. that was that. So yeah, so so he, he's a legend, and uh, just to see these get a chance to, I'm, I probably you know not being a horror fan, and I'm not sure how how deep into horror the Bird with the Crystal Plumage is, but I, I do now want to be able to connect connect that music with the film. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. That's great. Anything else you're excited to catch? Yeah, I it's a film been on my watch list for years, and it's not that it hasn't been easy to find on disc and probably other streaming services, but I never just got around to seeing The Hustler, the film mm-hmm. with Paul Newman, and so uh, yeah, that's that's going to be high on my list whenever uh, I start catching up with April films. Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's one of those those essential films, right? Yeah, and uh, and then uh, the last one I'd like to, I, you know, sounds very interesting to me is. Uh, Darce Wishman's Bad Girls Go to Hell. You know, mm. I've heard about it for a long time. It's it's not the one that I've really sought to watch, but I think the first time I heard anything about it was that someone was had made a fake Eclipse collection of her films, mm-hmm. and as I I thought to myself, now who was Darce Wishman? So I had to look her up and find out. You know, she was making these exploitation kind of experimental avant garde. Uh, it depends on. I think it's at that point where art house films uh, was kind of bordering over into porn, you know. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I'm only halfway joking there, you know. But uh, yeah. But I recall many theaters as I was growing up that first started out being art house, and they and you know like in, in uh, urban areas, and those slowly evolved into uh, porn houses. But <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that's just uh, in my area or around the country. But yeah, that's yeah. just how it worked. But yeah, but uh, yeah, I plan on seeing Bad Girls Go to Hell. That's great. I'm really interested in uh, the films of Isabel Sandoval. I know that her most recent film, Lingua Franca, made a big scene on the the festival circuit. One of my friends who's a programmer uh, had tried to program it for a couple of festivals that both got shut down because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And so I know that um, just her work is really well respected. So I'm excited that uh, her some of her earlier work is uh, being highlighted by the channel. And that's why I think this is, again, criterion pushing into greater and greater areas of representation. And mm-hmm. so I think this is really exciting for that. And uh, I really like I love the adventures of Prince Ahmed. And so I'm excited to see more of Lottie Reninger's work. Uh, I think that her films are just dazzling and uh, to get to see so many of her short films uh, to me, is just going to be really exciting. Yeah, that's great. You know, we got two female directors, international directors that yeah. are being now spotlighted on the channel. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty. So exciting. It's, it's just not the fact that they're female, but that but they're from around the world. You know, when you get, yeah. you know, from the Philippines, I believe Isabel mm-hmm. Sandoval. Yeah, and then the German. Yeah, and I think and I think what's also exciting is you know Isabel Sandoval is not only a a Filipina filmmaker, she's also uh, I think the first trans woman filmmaker that we have highlighted on the channel as well that I know off the top of my head I haven't done I haven't gone back through but to to also have a trans woman filmmaker highlighted is also really exciting as well oh yeah that is exciting because I, I I wasn't aware of that so yeah 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 and her films uh, often center the experiences of trans women which is also really exciting and so again I just I think this is Again, pushing pushing representation, and you know, as we have said many times before on the podcast, it is a criterion is really through the channel attempting to expand the canon in some really interesting ways. Yeah, yeah and, and they're yeah. really doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I always love to say, criterion giveth and criterion taketh away. <laughs> so we are we're losing, and this this actually doesn't seem quite as bad as some months, though. You know, this doesn't feel as daunting. Well, it's it's not as bad as I predicted. So uh, this is one of the months where I was I was pretty pretty. <laughs> I made a, a a few boo boos there. I I kind of hedged my bet into thinking that some of the short films that was female directed films yeah. were going to go after their six months, but they're staying on. So yeah. uh, it's making me rethink my whole idea about uh, <laughs> about how certain films are going to have longer engagements. Yeah. So th- this month they only had what was about. 60 something i'm not yeah. sure but yeah yeah that's that's, not, that's, that's great not terrible yeah. it's not terrible it's it's manageable for people that really want to want want to dedicate themselves to getting through everything yeah mm-hmm. well what we have this month we have we're going to be losing the short films by wc fields which includes pool sharks the golf specialist the fatal glass of beer the pharmacist and the barbershop We'll be losing from the written by Harold Pinter bundle, Accident, The Homecoming, and Butley. From Lovers on the Run, we'll be missing They Live by Night, Where Danger Lives, Tomorrow is Another Day, and One False Move. From the Marlena Dietrich and Joseph von Sternberg bundle, we'll be losing Morocco, Dishonored, Blonde Venus, Shanghai Express, The Scarlet Empress, and The Devil is a Woman. It looks like uh, The Blue Angel will still be remaining on the channel. From Black Westerns, we'll be losing The Legend of Black Charlie, Rosewood, and Buffalo Soldiers. From Three by Nadav Lapid, we'll be losing Policeman and Kindergarten Teacher. It looks like synonyms will still be remaining. From Queer Sided, Queer Fear, we'll be losing The Old Dark House, Stranger by the Lake, and Always Shine. From the Starring Ruby D bundle, we'll be losing The Tall Target, St. Louis Blues, Take a Giant Step, and Uptight. From Frame of Mind, Psychiatry on Screen, we'll be losing The Mark, David and Lisa, Old Boyfriends, and The Ninth Configuration. From the Films by Rithipan bundle, We'll be losing The Missing Picture and Exile. From the Directed by Claire Denis bundle, we'll be losing No Fear, No Die, Nanette and Boney, Towards Mathilde, and 35 Shots of Rum. We'll be losing the three starring Lana Turner bundle with The Postman Always Rings Twice, A Life of Her Own, The Bad and the Beautiful. 
Uh, we'll be losing the final title in the Directed by Bill Forsyth bundle with uh, Gregory's Girl. We'll be losing most of the rest of the Australian New Wave bundle with The Devil's Playground, Dawn's Party, The Getting of Wisdom, Long Weekend, and Puberty Blues. The rest of the titles from that bundle are permanent collection titles, so those will be staying. We'll be losing the Criterion Collection edition of Bamboozled. We'll be losing Saturday matinees of Swallows and Amazons, Lovers and Lollipops, and The King and the Mockingbird. From the Directed by Terrence Nance bundle, we'll be losing an oversimplification of her beauty. From the 30 Years of the Film Foundation bundle, we'll be losing The Night of Counting the Years, The Eloquent Peasant, and The Matai Affair. And we'll be losing individual titles of Sunset Song, uh, Werewolf, plus the shorts that are associated with that film, Victoria, The Arbor, A Spell to Ward Off Darkness, Dark Days, Cotton Comes to Harlem. So, you know, again, it's not a quite as crazy an amount, but there are a lot of individual bundles that we're losing, like the last film of that bundle, or we're losing a lot of like select titles from individual bundles. Yeah, that's different this month in that usually whole bundles go at a time, and we're now just getting the last of those films that that were parts of yeah. other bundles. You know, yeah. I find it I find it just sitting here looking over the list that you made out the Saturday morning, uh, the Saturday matinees, the titles just seem to be, <laughs> you know. That was, you know, very similar, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michael, you have already seen everything that's on this list. So you're in a good position to recommend a few titles. So uh, what are some of the titles that you really want to recommend people catch? Yeah. I want people to see the two films by the Egyptian director, Shadi Abdel Salam. Mm. The first one was, it's his first and only feature length film from 1969, the night of counting the years. Mm. It was restored by the Film Foundation as part of their World Cinema Project. Because it was part of that project, I was shocked when it first streamed six months ago that uh, it did not carry the Criterion Collection logo. Mm. And this is the first time we've had a World Foundation, a World Cinema Project film on the channel that's not staying. Mm-hmm. So that's just just something I'm trying to figure out, you know, what was going on there. Perhaps, you know, they're waiting for Janice to get caught up and uh, likely Janice will then tour the film, probably with the eloquent peasant, because it's it's only a 20 minute film. But uh, mm-hmm. I believe once Janice acquires the, the theatrical rights from the WCP, then it may return as a permanent title. Yeah. But I'm hoping because it's 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 a great film. It's mm. this restoration. I had seen like bits and pieces of it. I think on uh, on YouTube, and it was just awful. And then, but this new restoration is amazing. As I said, this was his first and only feature length film, and uh, I was surprised to learn that it was produced by Roberto Rossellini. Mm. But when you think about the way it was filmed, it really does have a real neo realism mm. uh, look to it. And uh, it, it's set in um, the late 19th century, just before British colonial rule came to Egypt. And it's about this clan whose uh, whose whole legacy is based on knowing the site of this ancient burial. It's like somewhere around Thebes. They know where, where some of the uh, ancient pharaohs were buried. And it seems like no one else but them knows it. So this whole family, their wealth has grown over the centuries because they know that. 
And it's got to the point now where certain secrets are being let out. I don't want to say too much about it, but, uh, yeah. but the Egyptian title of the movie uh, translates as The Mummy. Mm. And uh, so that I'm sure they changed it because they didn't want people to think it was a it was a horror film. But <laughs> but uh, it's it's a it's a nice film. Uh, and the short film is called The Eloquent Peasant, and it's based on a uh, Egyptian folklore story. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a very nice film, and it gives you much about his style. I think he later on did, went on to do documentaries, but I don't think he ever did any more feature films. Mm. But yeah. I, I'm sad to see those two go, but but I'm hopeful they'll come back. Yeah, those are two that I'm going to definitely catch. Those are ones that I probably would have put in my eager to catch if you hadn't already put them on your recommendations list. Mm. Uh, what else do you want to recommend people catch? I want to talk about Sunset Song. Thinking about it right now, it's a, it's a film directed by Terrence Davies from 2015, so it's not an old film. Thinking back on it, that film ne- never came up as a subject in any of our uh, Criterion Facebook yeah. groups. Uh, and I didn't realize it till I was looking over the list and, and you was asking me what I'd recommend. But I'm surprised because it's, it's, it's an extraordinary film. Um, mm. It's by, you know, Terrence Davies has been making films for, was it now, 40 years. Mm. Based on a novel from the 1930s uh, about, from Scotland, I think it's one of the uh, great novels of, of 20th centuries uh, as, well, as far as Scottish literature goes. The thing about Terrence Davies, he's known for making these... Uh, Films about almost semi-autobiographical films about growing up in the poor working class uh, streets of Liverpool. Films like Lone Day Closes, which is on the channel and in the collection, and Distant Voices, uh, Still Lives. So you would think it's, it's, it was almost like a break in his a dichotomy of his career in that his earlier films were mostly set in his autobiographical films. And his later films are all on... Um, his adaptations of literary works and uh, mm. and stage plays. You'll find films by like Edith Wharton's *The House of Mirth* and um, plays by Terence Rattigan. And this movie, uh, as I said before, is extraordinary. It's got this beautiful performance by Agnes Den. I think is how you, how you pronounce her name. And then, uh, but it's a pretty hard hard film to watch when you think about. But you can see now how it relates to his other work. In that he's still he's still making films about working class people, mm. and uh, it, the story is set before World War One, and it's about this woman's life uh, and uh, the struggles she has growing up on this farm, and and her later life. But uh, I highly recommend it and hope people watch it. That's great. And you have one final one to uh, yeah. recommend. Yeah, that's the Arbor. It's a it's a documentary by Cleo Bernard. From 2010, uh, it's about the playwright Andrea Dunbar. Mm-hmm. She died when she was 29 years old, and so that that shows it uh, how her career was sh- cut short. But she grew up uh, in a poor family in Northern England. But she came became pretty well known for her few plays that she wrote during her sh- brief career. The documentary by Bernard is about uh, about her life, and it's it's done through interviews with people who knew her. And uh, I don't want to say too much about it because it has this central conceit that is so unique. I don't think I've seen any other uh, filmmaker ever use this particular conceit. It's 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 amazing, but I just put it that way. Uh, yeah. Also, I want to recommend uh, a film that's on the channel, in the permanent channel, and it was written by Andrea Dunbar, and she adapted her play Rita Sue and Bob Two. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Alan Clark. Back in 1987, so it's it's a good double feature. But make sure you yeah. get the get get to see the Arbor before it leaves. Rita Sue and Bob too is going to be there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I have recommended the Arbor many times cause I think it is just uh, a stunning documentary and it's a great work of creative nonfiction filmmaking. And I think that, yeah, I think it's really, really masterful. I want to recommend Rosewood directed by John Singleton. Uh, this one has a special place in my heart. It's from the black Westerns bundle. Uh, I saw it, I think when I was in high school, I thought right after it came out, or maybe I saw it in, uh, in college, but it's the story of the Rosewood massacre that happened in which a neighboring white town came and massacred a neighboring black town. And it's, it's very similar to the things that happened throughout the South. Um, when prosperous black communities were targeted by white groups of kind of white mobs that would come through and target and burn those communities to the ground and come through with violence. I think that it is a, it's a harrowing film. Uh, it's got a great performance from Ving Rhames. And I, I think that uh, John Singleton is uh, a really talented filmmaker. And uh, I'm really sad that he is, he is gone and is not able to continue to make films. I do really, really like uh, Rosewood. I think it's a, a strong film. Bamboozled is the other one that I want to recommend for anyone that doesn't have the Criterion disc. It is an incendiary film from Spike Lee. It is challenging. It's difficult. Uh, it is full of all of Spike Lee's flourishes that he likes to put in. And uh, it it is just one of his angriest and most confrontational films. But I think it's uh, just one of his most... I think it's one of his most necessary films too, mm. that in challenging the ways that the minstrel show of the the past has been brought forward into modern day society, and uh, I think it's a it's a really really powerful film that yeah I just I think Spike Lee is again one of our great great filmmakers and uh, I think that all of the things that he does are are really really compelling. I think he's he's playing with interesting ideas that are are worth exploring and worth considering. So yeah, I'm a big big fan of Bamboozled. Yeah, I'm just I'm shocked how long why it took so long for that film to be recognized. It seemed like for for 20 years people just didn't understand it, or yeah. maybe they chose not to understand it. But it's yeah. it's very relevant and it's something that should be watched today. I would yeah. recommend uh, since now it now that they are part of the. Uh, Criterion Collection and will be released soon on disc to watch along with Bamboozled, watch Ethnic Notions and Color Adjustment. Yeah. Two yeah. documentaries by Marlon Riggs. The first one cover uh, is more the early part of, of the 20th century and it covers uh, mainly, uh, what do you call the stuff that people collect, the kind of paraphernalia that of the, the South and the yeah, and the the image, the black images. Yeah, and and mm -hmm. then the later the later film was about black images perpetuated on television and mm -hmm. in the movies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but those those both go very well with uh with Spike's film. That's great. Those are good recommendations alongside that. Yeah, 
Uh, I'm really eager to catch Terrence Nance's an oversimplification of her beauty. He's a filmmaker that I've heard really, really good things about, and I just haven't had a chance to catch it yet. So this is one that I will definitely be catching before it leaves the channel, since I know his stuff is a little harder to see. And then I'm also really eager to continue my dive into Claire Denis' work. Uh, I've really loved uh, the work of hers that I have seen, and uh, there are a few of her films that I still have yet to catch up on, so I'll be doing some of that uh, towards the end of this month. Have you seen 35 Shots of Rum? I think that's I have one not of the yet. Yeah, that's that's the one of those four films that are leaving that I that I highly recommend. Yeah. And then the, the next is uh, No Fear, No Die. But uh, mm-hmm. but you know all of them are worth seeing just yeah. because they're clear to me. But yeah. but those two especially. That's great. Well, those are the Criterion Channel's new and expiring titles for the month of March. Michael, before we leave today, do you have any recommendations for films that are not on the channel? Yes, Josh. I recently saw Miranda July's film Cajillionaire. Mm. I think it's only available now on a um, pay per view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not on any streaming service yet, but if you're a July fan, you need to check it out. It's only her third feature film, I believe, in about 20 years. Yeah. So she she doesn't make a lot of them, but when she makes them, she makes some some pretty powerful films. It's it's about this dysfunctional family, um, starring Evan Rachel Wood, and uh, her mother is uh, Deborah Winger, and the father is Richard Jenkins. I mean, just the just yeah. just saying those names, you know, those are some great actors there. And in fact, I was about maybe a third of the way through the film before I realized that Deborah Winger was playing the mother. It was mm. she. She is so transformed in that in that role. And then, uh, then you've got this uh, fourth person kind of works their way into the family. That's played by Gina Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and and she, uh, her, her she's just delightful, and that performance is amazing. So, so yeah, if, you, if anybody gets a chance, I hopefully will be able to stream on one of, on one of the major streaming channels soon. But uh, I really enjoyed it. That's great. That's really great. I really want to recommend uh, Quo Vadis Ida. This is one of the nominees for Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, it's from Bosnia and uh, Herzegovina. And uh, it is a story, a very specific story set during the Bosnian conflict. And this one is harrowing. It is powerful. It follows a, a woman from the region who is a UN translator trying to save her family as Serbian forces close in. And it's it's a, a really, really incredible film that is really tough to watch, but really, really powerful. And just, uh, I think it's a it's an incredible, incredible work that I think that and Another Round are both two really powerful films, really great films uh, that are up for best foreign language film that uh, I think uh, are worth checking out. Yes, yeah, great to see films coming from that region. You just don't really yeah. see that many. Yeah, know? yeah. So that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael, thank you again for joining me today. This was really fun. Oh, it was. Yeah, I had a great time, Josh. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. Where can people find you online? I'm on Letterboxd. You'll find all my lists there under Michael Hutchins. I'm also in a couple of the Facebook groups, uh, most prominently in the Criterion Channel Club group and uh, in Criterion Now. So check me out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Josh. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. 
If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at criterionchannelsurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. Our logo was designed by Doug McCambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at criterioncast.com and support the work of Criterion Cast at patreon.com slash criterioncast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener supported, so please consider donating to the show at patreon.com slash joshhornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to continue to thank all of our regular Patreon supporters. Your support really does mean so much. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, my guest and I will sit down to discuss May's new and expiring titles. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.